Can you think like a designer? Welcome to the Creativity Cure Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Joy, and I am the owner of Bethany J Photography as well as a visual designer. On this podcast, I share how the skills I've learned as a designer and artist can be used to improve your life every single day. I am here to build your confidence. I believe everybody has something to offer and I believe everybody can be creative. You just need the skills. The goal that I had with this podcast was to make design more accessible. I use design every single day in every single area of my life. Of course, it started with art, it started with graphic design, but I've used it to address other areas of my life. I'm starting a new series where we're going to discuss something called design thinking. Design thinking is a process designers use to solve problems rapidly. It's a method that designers use to create products very quickly, and it involves five steps. It involves five steps, empathize, define, ideate, prototype, and test. Designers use these tools and these steps to quickly create products that they test. So to begin our series talking about how being creative can apply to daily life, we're going to start by talking about empathy. And on this podcast, I'm going to be specifically talking about self-compassion, empathy for yourself. Empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. It's not about agreeing or pitying someone. Empathy ultimately is about understanding the context of why and how someone else thinks. When we turn this practice of empathizing inward, I call it self-compassion. Practicing self-compassion is about understanding the context of who you are as a person and being kind to yourself. Essentially, you treat yourself the way you would treat a good friend, showing understanding and kindness and sympathy. So I used self-compassion myself to overcome mental roadblocks and to create a growth mindset. I've talked about this before. I believe that the ability to come back from failure and the ability to not be afraid of risk is key to being creative and it's key to putting yourself out there. So let's talk about empathy and why it should start with being kind to yourself. So how do designers use empathy? Well, and by the way, I am reading notes here because I've got a lot of good information. So Before you try and solve a problem as a designer, if you want it to be successful, you need to ensure that you create something that people actually want to use rather than something that you like. And that means that you want to avoid bias, right? Bias can be from your age, your uh, gender. It could also be from your cultural background. Um, It can even come from your abilities. Often when we approach a problem, our first thought is to solve it or think of it and how it relates to us. But empathy is a practice of going out of your way, taking your time to actually understand someone else's motivations, feelings, and needs thoroughly before you create something for them. This practice of empathy is what is at the beginning of product design, um, or good product design, I should say. Uh, A good product really understands the problem it's solving. If you want it to be successful, you really need to do that. Um, And the best way you can understand the problem you're solving is by listening and asking questions. A designer has to put themselves in their user's shoe in order to create something that can really help them. So how can we take this idea of empathy, the way designers use it, and apply it to our everyday lives? Well, I want to talk about that today. It's easier said than done because we do all have our own ideas of what empathy means. 
we all have our own limits, our own context, so to speak, of what we think is acceptable. So we really do have a need to learn how to empathize with each other. Um, we want to appreciate each other's originality and we want to create better relationships without sacrificing our integrity. And empathy can allow you to do that. So to prepare for this series that I am starting, I actually read a book called Never Split the Difference, which is really a really great book. Um, it is, I think I mentioned it in my last podcast, but it actually talks about negotiation, which actually starts with empathy. Now, the book explains how you use empathy in your communication to get what you need while also understanding someone else's perspective. Um, it encourages you to actually invite the other person to exercise their creativity to come up with a solution that works for both of you. I also really like that this book focuses on challenging the problem and not the person. It's about solving the problem and not attacking the person. And I think that's a really good tool to have in your back pocket that whenever conflict arises, whenever you're struggling, whenever you need to use empathy, it's not about the person as much as it is the problem. And in that way, we don't get stuck on trying to change people, which we really cannot do. Um, we focus on coming up with collaborative solutions instead. So Chris Voss starts the book and he talks about he talks about how it's universal that all human beings want to be desired and understood and accepted. We all want to be heard. However, I'm going to add a little bit to this and say that in order to offer compassion or empathy to others, I think you really do need to have compassion and empathy for yourself, which I guess since empathy is about others, we're going to just keep saying self-compassion. For me, I am a Christian, so empathy for me really does start with what um, theology calls the Imago Dei concept. So here's a quote from Christianity Today, and it defines what the Imago Dei is. So humans are created in the image of God, and this is to acknowledge the special qualities of human nature that allow God to be manifest in us. Having a conscious recognition that humans are made in God's image means that they are able to make God's plans and purposes known and actualized. And this way, humans are co-creators with God. The Imago Dei doctrine has moral implications because if humans love God, then they must also love each other since we are all expressions of God. And honoring each other then becomes the best way to honor God. So I believe that each human is original and that includes you and that includes me. And when you accept the good and bad and ugly about yourself, you honor the fact that you're human. You're not perfect, but you still need compassion and care. God sees us in all of our mess ups and he chooses us anyway. And I believe that we can see our own faults and understand that we need compassion. We need grace. Um, and by that, I just mean that we cannot walk through life expecting to never get it wrong. Now, I'm going to take a quick detour before we get too deep in this, and I want to talk to you about compassion. Speaking of it, when was the last time you celebrated your achievements? I mean, really. I know for me, it's been a very long time. I am so used to working and struggling towards my goals, focusing that 
many times I tell myself, I'll just wait, you know, I'll wait until the time comes and I'm able to celebrate, I'll wait for the vacation, but you know what, life goes by really fast, and before you know it, you've missed out on stopping and reflecting on those important big moments in your life. I don't want this to be you, and that's why I want to invite you to have a photography experience with me, Bethany J Photography, that's my company, um, and it is a one-of-a-kind experience. I create fine art portraits that are original and crafted around you, based on you. There's nobody like you, and your photos should prove it. I make custom sets, including hair, makeup, and styling, and I just want to say this. I just had my portraits taken with one of my great photo friends, Nina, and the experience was amazing for me. I really hadn't taken a moment to just, I don't know, just get some nice pictures of myself, and it had been so long, and it really was such an encouragement for me to continue to be creative and to put myself out there. Um, and it just started with that simple act of taking the time to go and get pictures done and celebrate how far I've come as an artist. So I want to invite you to do the same. Um, it's really more than just photography for me, you know. This is something I do and I really believe it is an art form because the images I create of you are a collaborative effort. Um, and I think that everybody really should get professional photography in their lifetime. It's even better if you can get a custom fine art portrait. So if you're interested, please visit bethanyjphotography.com. And if you're not ready to get a portrait done, I'd still like to be connected to you. So I invite you to join my community by visiting bethanyjphotography.com. You can check out my free newsletter where I celebrate women every single week who are doing amazing things here in Maryland. They are everyday people who decide to put themselves out there to use their creativity to persevere. And I call this newsletter Seen and Celebrated. I want you to be seen and celebrated. Those who join the newsletter can see all of the previous um, letters that I've sent out with all the stories of each person who I feature. Um, and you can also submit your own story, as well as submit even um, an idea to be on the podcast. So I invite you to visit it. And if you have questions, feel free to email me. My email information is all in the description. All right, so back to compassion. Why do we struggle with having compassion for ourselves? I know that, at least among some women, and I mean, I think this is just a normal thing. I think that there's this thing we do where someone compliments us and we put ourselves down, you know? They say, you look really nice, and, you know, you then immediately point out some other flaw you have, kind of like a deflection. And I do think that this comes from a really good place of not wanting to be self-centered, and wanting to be humble. Um, and I do think that there is a way you can be so self-focused that you just completely miss people around you. That I don't think is healthy. Um, but compassion to me isn't about putting others down and lifting yourself up. To me, compassion is taking responsibility for your emotions, for your body, for your spirit. It's about not letting what happened to you define you. Um, you decide the path that you take. And I think compassion helps us to be responsible with how we take our actions in the world. So I think that many people believe that 
feelings don't matter. Um, your discomfort doesn't matter. So, and I think many people have been told that really at the end of the day, the results are the only thing that matters. Um, and I think that for me, I believe that for a long time. Um, I just believed, you know, if you just push through, you know, ignore yourself, you'll get through it. You'll have your break eventually, but don't worry about yourself. Just keep going. You know, I, I believed, you know, just do what you're supposed to do. It'll all be okay. And for a long time, I was able to accomplish a lot, but I paid a price for it. Um, because the way that I was motivating myself was not healthy and it involved really just turning off the alarms. I think we talked about this last time, turning off the alarms in my head. You know, your emotions are an alarm. They just signal that something needs to be attended to. And if you just ignore all of them because they're inconvenient, um, nine times out of 10, it's going to come out somewhere. So compassion, I believe, actually frees you up to persevere through hard times and to challenge yourself. And I think it's because you give yourself more room for error. Um, now, I had an example here where let's say you want to try something new, okay? Uh, let's say dancing, right? Like say you want to be a dancer and so you start taking classes. Well, if your inner dialogue, whenever you mess up in the class, is to call yourself stupid or be like, come on, you can get this, like you, you just like, what's wrong with you? If it's just constant criticism, putting yourself down, you know, you may just start to avoid dancing, right? You may just start to avoid things that challenge you. This is like a silly analogy, but I think it's true that we fail at one thing because we expect perfection and then we set the standard that we can't try anything we won't be perfect at. And that is the opposite of what you want if you want a growth mindset. You want to be okay with failure. You wanna be okay with sometimes embarrassing yourself because the truth is you cannot learn unless you have the freedom of failing. However, if you approach that same dance class expecting to fail, but instead of discouraging yourself, stopping when you mess up, looking at what you've done wrong, asking for help, I think that that dance class won't be a symbol of your failure. It'll just be a place where you're learning to grow and experiment and express yourself. And maybe you'll be able to carry that attitude into your job, which might open a door to something better in the future because he, you become somebody who's okay with mistakes, somebody who's okay with trying again and again, someone who understands that they don't have to be right all of the time, someone who's okay with hearing feedback and doesn't, and doesn't allow feedback of their technique to be feedback of who they are as a person. I think that having compassion for yourself makes you resilient. Being able to live through mistakes, hurts, and past failures, and to get up and to try again is somebody who's strong. It's somebody who can endure through the things that life will throw at you. Life's unpredictable. You're going to get something crazy happening to you. And being able to push through without bullying yourself is something that I think everybody should learn. So I have a question um, I want you to ask yourself. Do you see yourself as the start and end of progress? Um, do you constantly think about how you're going to suck it up because if you don't, you'll ruin it for everybody else? Do you withdraw alone when you struggle so you don't feel burdened or you don't feel like you are a burden? Do you feel as if you must appear happy 
or always agree to get people to like you, viewing yourself as the problem can stem from the idea that we have to look a certain way to be accepted. If we aren't the way that people want us to be, this is the thought we may have. If we aren't the way that people want us to be, we might lose friends, we might lose jobs, and people may not like us. And sometimes that idea is scarier than being truthful with ourselves. The truth is life is full of unknowns and holding yourself to a really high standard isn't realistic. And it actually ends up being self-sabotage because if you continually believe that you are the problem, you may start acting as if you are, which probably is not true. So instead of sucking it up, I encourage honesty and I think it's okay to do what you need to do and be honest about not liking it. So I guess what I'm saying is that self-compassion isn't about not being strong or not pushing for your goals or dreams because it's difficult. I think it's about being honest about how you feel about the challenges you face, knowing that it's okay to not feel brave when you're going to go and do something new. I want to talk about why self-compassion is important, and it has to do with something called the frequency illusion. And the frequency illusion is a psychological phenomenon that means we become hyper aware of something we think is important. And so I don't know if you've ever like saw a car one day that caught your eye and then suddenly you see it everywhere. That's the frequency illusion. And what happens is when we hyper focus on our failures, we start to notice them way more than we do anything else we do right, you know? And I think everybody can relate to one time you mess up sticks in your memory far more than all of the things you might might have gotten right. And that's, I mean, it's easy to understand because we like to avoid pain. And so we want to avoid painful memories and painful scenarios. However, when we focus on surviving, right? So focus on avoiding pain or fearful situations, our brains are not free to be at ease, to relax, to think of solutions. And the truth is when we're gonna face unknown challenges or difficult things, we actually want to be relaxed and at ease and able to um, attack those problems with our best brains and not our fearful survival brains. So when you're worried about safety, right? It's hard to be creative. And we were, when we're in this state of survival, it's hard to make decisions, it's hard to it's hard to be who all we want to be when we're constantly anxious. In fact, for me, when I was anxious or when I deal with anxiety, it makes my world smaller. Whenever I give in and I run away from what's scaring me instead of confronting the actual anxiety and overcoming what is giving me that fear or problem. What this comes down to is that when you focus on yourself as a problem, when you talk down to yourself and bully yourself, you are putting your, you're creating an environment of survival because getting things right isn't just about successfully completing a task. It becomes about proving yourself worth. But if you have compassion for yourself and you understand that you're a human being, then you're free to make mistakes. You're free to make choices, better ones the next time, because you don't have to live up to this impossible standard that you've probably set up for yourself or even had someone put on you. Now, the reality is some people struggle with self-compassion because they haven't seen it modeled. And if you haven't experienced compassion or seen it modeled, it's very difficult to 
unlearn the habit of talking down to yourself. It's not uncommon for us to learn our self-talk from how we saw other adults or parents speak to themselves. Many times we may forget that the way we speak to ourselves, the way we think about ourselves comes out through our speech and little ones pick that up and they begin to model their self-speech to it. In fact, I've seen my daughter look in the mirror the same way I do and that really showed me like, oh, she's watching everything I do. And that's going to become some of the way she understands the world around her, including herself. If you were around people who were extremely hard on themselves and you find yourself being the same way, it's very good odds that that's where you picked it up from and have possibly enforced it. But the great thing is that our brains, our brains continue to grow. We're not stuck. And I just want you to hear that. You're not stuck. If you have a certain habit or pattern, you can get help. You can move past it. You can move forward. But you do have to do work to get there. And also, I just want to remind you that having self-compassion isn't just for you. The way you relate to yourself is the way that you'll relate to other people. So having compassion for yourself will help you to be compassionate and empathetic towards other people. Often we, hmm, just leave it there. And if you choose to work on having better self-compassion, the little ones around you, whether it's your kids, your nephews, your nieces, your students, they're going to pick up on it too. Um, I know this for a fact because I see my daughter, when she hurts herself, I stop and I ask, you know, are you okay? And I wait and I say, are you okay? And I watch her play with her baby doll and she does the same thing. So she's watching and picking up, and she's only one. She's picking up, oh, let me see if, if the baby is okay. So yeah, if you start to work on you, it goes so far beyond you. It just starts with you. So I wanna say, it is really, really easy to think of the world in black and white. And if you struggled with being depressed or anxious, if you struggled with negativity or you've had a lot of bad trauma or experiences in your life. Now I'm not speaking as a therapist, so please take everything I say with a grain of salt. If you have struggled with negativity, with not thinking you're good enough, with these repeated thought patterns, it's really easy to continue to believe that because things have always been one way, they will always be that way. And the way our brains are, it's like the frequency illusion. You start to affirm that belief and you don't want to do that you want to break that habit our brains truly grow and change so if you can't believe it for yourself just believe the actual fact that our brains are very much able to change even as we get older we're not stuck one way forever the things that we choose not to address over time do hurt our bodies our physical bodies Continually talking down to yourself, continually putting yourself down, continually beating yourself up has a negative effect. It raises your cortisol levels, right? And if you want to live a long, healthy life, if you don't want to be stressed all the time, then you have to address the root of the problem. And maybe self-compassion is part of it. Maybe just hearing this talk today will motivate you to get help if you need it, or it'll motivate you to just notice how many times you actually do talk to yourself and work towards changing that inner dialogue. 
and recognizing that there's a pattern and that there is help to get better. Think of it this way. If you were to externalize your internal voice, what would it sound like? So let's just say, for example, your friend forgets your birthday, okay? They were tired, they overslept, they forgot to come to your birthday, and they're your best friend in the world. They're always there for you, but they forgot. So imagine that you continually bring that up to your friend all the time, for years, bringing up, you remember you forgot my birthday, you remember you forgot my birthday, you weren't there for me. Every single chance you get, you bring it up. Well, that person probably won't want to be friends with you after a while, because you won't let it go. You're constantly picking at them. It's exhausting. You know, they know they were wrong. You've told them a million times, but you won't let up. And this is what we do to ourselves when we rehearse and ruminate on problems over and over and over and over again. You know, we almost ignore the fact that we're human. We need sleep. We need food. We have jobs. We have things to take care of. And it's not realistic for us to be worrying 24-7 about things we cannot actually change. But we do it, you know? And so and so, constantly thinking like that, it's not motivating. It's not challenging you in a healthy way. It's just discouraging. It's the constant nag that you're not perfect and you should have gotten it right and how could you? But the truth is you're human. You're not perfect. You shouldn't be. You will make mistakes and bad choices. And there will be times when you fail and disappoint somebody. But none of that disqualifies you from respect and honor and dignity. And the truth is the question isn't if you will fail or mess up or make a mistake, but it's when. And honestly, Jesus is the only one who's perfect. So there's not a blank check to go around and be a terrible person in the name of I'm just human. But I think there is so much room to recognize that we all need help, we all need compassion, and we all need grace. So how can we do better? What are some ways we can practice self-compassion? First, I want you to recognize that undoing old habits takes time. Um, The truth is that trying to change a pattern can actually be alarming to our brains. We like things that are familiar, and sometimes we even like sad things that are familiar because at least we know it, right? For example, if you're used to motivating yourself through self-criticism, through nitpicking and bullying yourself, it may feel like you're failing when you don't do that anymore because that's the only motivational tool you had. So it may take time to undo some of those old patterns, and it may take time for you to realize like, oh, I can encourage myself and still challenge myself to do better. Encouraging myself is not settling for subpar. Encouraging myself is actually pushing me further. But it takes time and you have to have the patience to know that, hey, like I'm going to want to fall back into this old habit and that is just normal. If you're like me, you may ignore, dismiss, or pretend you don't have emotions. And the truth is, in order to move through emotions, you really do have to acknowledge them. Again, emotions are just signals that you need to take care of something. So sometimes acknowledging your emotions means just recognizing that you feel a certain way. It's not necessarily about 
getting rid of the feeling. It's not necessarily admitting that you're right to feel that way, but it's accepting that you indeed are feeling anger, frustration, tiredness, worry. It's just acknowledging and going beyond I should feel a certain way to this is just how I feel. I'm going to accept it and just sit in it. And I'm just going to let the emotion pass through instead of shoving it down. And, you know, most likely it will come back later. The truth is when we ignore emotions, especially our anger, sometimes our anxiety, um, the emotions come out other places and usually not when we want or to who we want. And so remember, self-compassion is about being responsible for your body, for your emotions, for your spirit. So when we choose to ignore our emotions, we're not really ignoring them or hiding them or controlling them. Honestly, we're just diverting them to be pulled back out by a wrong situation. And I think the responsible thing is to actually deal with your emotions and own them, good, bad, and ugly. For me, the way I own my emotions is I write them. Um, I write them down and I read them. Sometimes that just takes the scariness of them out. Uh, sometimes I will just say them out loud. Sometimes I will think if I need to address a need in my body because sometimes I'm just feeling a certain way because I need to drink water or I need sleep. Sometimes I don't know what to do and I'm really indecisive. I think I talked about this. And um, in those moments, um, I just stop. And I just acknowledge that I'm frustrated and I just need a moment. I can't make a decision right this second. The reason I champion this so hard is because I personally know what it's like to shut down your emotions. I did that. And what happened was I put on the face that I should have, which is in my head was I needed to always be happy and in a good mood, which nobody is. Um, and I just shut down the rest of my emotions that were not happy, you know. And the truth is, those emotions just came out in other ways. They came out in stomach aches and um, in my heart beating super fast and rapid breathing, um, chronic stress. Uh, so much so that I needed to get help to address it, which is okay. But it's awesome now that I'm starting to learn that... I don't have to have these symptoms if I can begin to address some of the roots of my anxiety. So I want you to remember that your feelings are really like a map. They tell us about ourselves, but we don't always control them. And what I mean by that is sometimes things happen to you and you don't control the reaction you have, but you do control your actions. And so to me, you may not control how an emotion shows up, but you do choose what to do with it. Um, I want to offer this as a practical way to get in touch with your emotions. It's from this book called, I think, The Joy Habit. And it talks about how the same way we can ruminate on horrible things, things we've messed up with, things that we can't, we didn't do right. We can also focus on things we've done right, things that are good, things that we've enjoyed things that went well, and that the more you do this, the more your brain actually starts to look for that. And it's really something you have to practice. And so one of the ways they say to do it in the book is to take time to think about 10 things you're thankful for, um, to 
think about a good time that you had and go into detail. Like imagine the colors and the smells, you know, imagine maybe somebody took you out to dinner and you loved it. Think about it. Think about what the room looked like. Think about what the room smelled like, what their smile was like. Think about things that give you joy. Um, Think about them and focus on them. Things that are real in your life because it helps your brain to actually heal and recover. Um, I don't have this backed up by science, so don't quote me. However, I do believe our bodies heal themselves in many ways, given time to do so and given the help to do so. Um, Some help is medicine, but some help is deep breathing. Some help is prayer. Some help is retraining your thoughts. And I think that our bodies are incredibly capable when we put them in the right environment. And it's not easy. So I'm not saying like, oh, you just need to think happy thoughts and that'll fix your problems. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I am saying that the same way we've learned to build bad habits, the same way we've learned to fall into a certain pattern of thinking, we can find new patterns and we can fall into healthier ones that will help us live a better life. So I want to say that you really should practically think about the fact that, again, it's going to come back to the fact that you are human. And when you go into life expecting to be perfect and not to mess up or to never experience a certain thing again, you're making a promise to yourself that you can't keep. Life is very uncontrollable. We cannot control a lot of it. And that can be incredibly overwhelming. But the truth is that the truth is that there are some things we can control. Our reactions to life are things we can control, are things we can work on and encourage. So I think not walking around with the expectation that you're going to always have it together or that your life will get better as soon as you fill in the blank will help you to start looking at what you can control and start to make changes in your life with things that you actually have control of instead of focusing on the things that really you cannot do anything about. So that's really what I'm talking about when I say focus on joy, own your emotions, choose your thoughts, focus on the things you can control because as you focus on the things you can control, your brain's gonna start looking for the things that actually are helpful as opposed to focusing on the things that are unhelpful. So finally, for practical ways, I I don't think these are as well listed as I usually do, but hopefully you can rewind and save the parts you like. Um, But the last practical thing I want to, the last two practical things I want to talk about relate to boundaries. So again, being compassionate towards yourself, to me, means you understand that you're in control or you understand of what you're in control of. You're not responsible for anybody else's feelings or actions. And in reality, you can't force anybody to do anything. So boundaries, the way I speak about them, just means recognizing where you begin and where you end and where someone else begins and ends. Um, I think there was a great podcast by, um, it's called I Have ADHD. And there was a great podcast. I think it's Kristen Carter. She has an awesome podcast. And she talked with somebody about this topic of how boundaries is just recognizing where you begin and end. 
And the truth is, many times we allow people to cross our boundaries. And I think a big piece of self-compassion is recognizing that you do, in fact, have boundaries. So to me, boundaries keep you safe and they allow you to enjoy the richness of life. So they allow you to enjoy your family. They allow you to enjoy your friends and your job. Um, And what I mean by they allow, I mean the boundaries that you decide to keep allow you to enjoy your life. The ones that you decide to let be crossed and ignore when people cross them, that is what will lead in some, in some ways, I think a lack of compassion is ignoring your own boundaries. You may say, I don't have boundaries, but I think almost everybody does. Um, you may not know what they are, but you know how it feels when someone crosses them. It might be how they speak to you. It might be, sometimes it's like, an emotional boundary where you don't want to share certain things with certain people. Sometimes the boundary is your physical space. Sometimes the boundary is your home. Everybody has boundaries. Basically, I'd have to look into this some more, but boundaries are, again, what matters to you, what's important to you, what's a line that you do not want crossed. And it's always going to be something you can control, right? You can remove yourself out of a situation. You can't control how someone responds to you. So following boundaries, I think there's a boundary of taking care of your physical body. Um, Your physical body is what carries you through life, right? Your physical body allows you to do the things you enjoy and love and care about. And often in ignoring our emotions, we also ignore our physical body. Um, And the two are tied together, especially if you, if you're, if you've been pregnant, you know exactly what I'm talking about, um, how much your, your hormones change and pregnancy and, and just becoming a mom actually changes your brain in so many ways. And there are so many examples of this. That's the one that came to mind right now. But I just want to say that like, for me, when I shut down my emotions, I stopped listening to myself. I ignored a whole range of when I was annoyed and frustrated until it came out and someone pushed me hard enough. But I also was ignoring basic needs like thirst, hunger, sleep, um, in the name of just getting things done. And almost every time that I do that for extended periods of time, if I am staying up late at night, if I'm not sleeping, if I'm not eating right, I feel it and I physically get sick. Um, and so Everybody knows somebody, wait, no, I think a boundary of recognizing that as a human being, you have some specific needs, some basic needs. And as busy as you may be, you do need to honor some of those needs, such as eating well, sleeping, um, resting. All of those things are needs. They're not just conveniences because I, over the years, the mistreatment of your body catches up. So and all you do, as hard as it may be, understand that all the people that you may be responsible for are relying on you um, to take care of yourself. Because the truth is, you, you know what you feel. And so just tuning in, paying attention to how you feel, being aware of what's going on in your body, is just owning and having compassion for yourself. So taking a rest when you need it is not weakness, you know? Eating right is not, you know, a waste of time and money. Going and getting a doctor or whatever you may need 
if you're not feeling well, it's not just an excuse to leave work. Like, no, you're important. Take the time you need. Do whatever it is you got to do because you only got one body. So you really do want to take care of it. Um, and I want to say this. I know that the mental and physical is so intertwined that just get help if you need it. Don't ignore it. And if somebody doesn't listen to you, keep looking for somebody who will. Don't give up on yourself. Advocate for yourself. If something feels wrong or is off and a doctor's not listening, find another one because you're worth it. And I sometimes when you do go and you start looking to get help, maybe the solution doesn't work immediately. Don't give up. Keep going. I know I say that because for me, I was... Really, again, in that mindset of, well, if it doesn't work right away, just give up. Like, no. If the first thing you do doesn't work, if the first therapist you try or the first medicine you try or the first day of exercise doesn't go the way you think, you're worth it. Go again. Try again. Find someone new. Um, I just, I believe you're worth it. And you have so much to offer. You're important enough to keep trying, even if you've tried a million times, to be well. And... I just want to say, especially if you're a caretaker, I, it's easy to put things off. Um, but I think you should prioritize your health care and ask for help. Um, it's not easy. I know it's not easy, but I think it's important to take care of yourself as best as you can. And when you cannot or if you are even before you can't, just ask for help however you can. There are free groups online you can join. There are places you can call um, and just reach out. If you don't know where to start, ask somebody for help and be honest and just say like, hey, I would like to take better care of myself. Maybe you just need um, some therapy or you need better sleep or you struggle with eating healthy and you can find somebody who can encourage you in little ways every day. Um, so just reach out for that help. Don't be embarrassed. Again, like I said, nobody's perfect. Everybody has made their own mistakes and poor choices, but making poor choices in the past doesn't mean we are perpetually punished in the future. We can choose to do better each and every day, even if it's a really small step. I'm talking about if it's five minutes or two minutes. That little step is important. Finally, for what I'm going to say is that um, for self-empathy, self-compassion, I want to say that when it comes to, again, owning our spirit or being responsible for the fact that we are a spirit, you know, we, we are more than just our physical bodies and our emotions. We have a will, we have hopes, we have dreams. And I think that self-compassion involves caring for your spirit as well. So for me, I, you know, I believe in prayer. I have a church community, um, Bible study. Um, peace for me comes from knowing God and knowing he's in control of my life um, and that he knows me and casting my cares on Jesus is what I do when I feel overwhelmed because sometimes I do not have it to be compassionate to myself or anybody else. And just for the way I deal with it is I'm like, listen, God, I don't have it today. I don't have it. I'm going to go and do my best, but I don't have it. And so for me, that's just how I encourage my spirit when I am down and when I just, I don't even care about myself and I just lean on what's outside of me to get further. So that is it for this first episode. We are again talking about how 
we can use these um, we can use these methods that designers use to create products, but we can apply them to our lives to improve them. And so again, we started with empathy. And next time we're gonna talk about empathizing with others. Um, and today I just want you to remember that you are seen and celebrated. You are loved and cared for. Um, and you are important and you matter. So please reach out for help to take care of yourself, reach out for professional medical help if you need it, take a nap if you need it, eat a snack if you need it, but don't forget that you only get the one body, you only got the one spirit, you only got the one you, and so you've got to go to bat for you, and it's hard, but you got to do it. Um, finally, please join our community. I am always looking for people to celebrate because I think there are a lot of regular people who do awesome things and I don't hear about them, so I want to. So please join my newsletter at bethanyjphotography.com and I will see you in two weeks for a new video. Finally, there are definitely links in the show notes for um, references to what I've talked about. I referenced a couple books and podcasts. So I, I do try and put the links in because I don't want to plagiarize. Um, so please visit the show notes to see um, details of the podcast I put in there, the book Never Split the Difference. Um, I linked it to the episode of where I saw the author Chris Voss. I also have um, a book a, a book that I read that was helpful for me called The Living Good Diet, which honestly I think is kind of like keto. But anyway, it was pretty helpful. I thought it was very motivating. Uh, I also read The Joy Habit book that's down there. I also have the personal MBA, which was a good book, which actually goes into psychology. So that's why I'm mentioning it. Um, there was the, I have ADHD podcast with Kristen Carter. Um, and then the Dr. John Mulaney, Dr. John Mulaney show. Um, then let's see. I also have a link where you can look at more information about self-compassion. If you need help, please reach out. Um, I will link down there um, and like an emergency hotline. So if you're going through something, please reach out to a professional for help. I am not a professional. I am a person who has dealt with things that are difficult. And I just want to encourage people that it's okay to reach out for help and to see yourself with a little bit of compassion and empathy. Um, treat yourself like you would a good friend because, you know, again, we're human. We all need it. So uh, thank you for sticking around and um, I can't wait to continue this series with you. Bye.